I have to say, there's no way any of this could have happened without the, all of the champions on our staff. I mean, I am so lucky to have such incredible, competent, knowledgeable staff. Greetings and welcome to the Kindness Chronicles, where we hope to inject the world with a dose of the Minnesota nice that it seems to desperately need. I'm Kevin Gorg with my co-host John Schweitz. And John? Well, we are coming to you live. No, it's not live, but from the uh, Minnesota Masonic uh, History Center. And it is attached to the Minnesota Masonic Home. And with us today is the administrator, the chief brain wizard of the Masonic Home, Beth Schroeder. Welcome, Beth. Hello. Thanks for having me. So you've had an interesting year. Mm Mm-hmm. So Beth uh, runs the show here, and uh, some of you may have noticed that we've been living through a pandemic, and there probably hasn't been a place on earth that is more impacted by the pandemic than dealing with aging folks in facilities like this. How's the year gone, Beth? Well, that's a loaded question. I know. Yeah, the year has been something I don't think any of us could have ever have imagined. Long-term care has been hit hard. We knew early on that it was uh, affecting different countries. The elder population was noticeably being affected by this virus. So we knew early on we had to start preparing, and it affected nursing homes uh, in the long-term care quite quite hard. And through a pandemic, you have to worry about the physical health, clearly, of everybody that you work with and are working for, but the mental side of things, the fear mongering that goes on and not knowing, you know, at the start of this pandemic at first, okay, this is pretty serious. And then as it, as it snowballed, now it's, it's really bad. And how do you deal with the ups and downs and the emotions of that as, as this whole thing progressed? Yeah, that's the hardest part looking back early on. Uh, and not knowing what to expect, not what, not knowing what was going to happen when people were infected, we knew so little so early on. But um, managing the protection of the residents as best we could, but then also doubling as supporting our staff through this was a tremendous challenge. And uh, being not knowing what was going to happen to anybody. Everybody had their own fears, you know, at home and in life and what was going to happen to them. And then coming here, it was just a, a, a doubling as a challenge. Yeah, the some of the stories that I have heard about the work that was done here at the home, it, it's just, it melts your heart. Um, obviously, there are plenty of stories about how isolation was difficult for people that were in facilities like this. But you guys really were creative and pivoted and used technology, for example, as a way to keep our residents connected with their loved ones. Tell us a little bit about how that process went and and some of the things that came out of that. Yeah, that's a a great point. Early on, we didn't have much for means of connecting our families with the residents with technology. We didn't need it. Uh, Visitors could come in. And early March, when visitation restriction was put into place, we thought, you know, let's see how long this lasts. And uh, when we found out it was going to go on for quite a while. Not just two weeks. Not just two weeks. No. And the uh, iPads came in, we got a couple donations, some grants, purchased some of our own, and really teaching our 
folks how to use iPads and connecting with their family through different uh, social media methods was really fun, challenging, but fun. And it was a great way for our, our residents to see grandkids, uh, kids, not only those who were local and couldn't visit because of the restriction, but it really opened up a whole avenue for them to visit with kids out of state. One of the things that I've heard from people is that in many respects, they became closer to their loved ones during this pandemic because the use of technology and I think there was just naturally a desire to, to connect with people. In many respects, those relationships strengthened during this time. Absolutely. Did you, one of my favorite stories about the pandemic, especially as it relates to how your staff, heroic staff, dealt with it was the, uh, the volunteers that you had that volunteered to work on the COVID unit. Could you just tell us quickly about how is it that we isolated the COVID patients? How did we go about making sure that we kept those away from other folks? And then how we managed staffing? Because you really had to be concerned about both sides of that coin. Definitely. When COVID hit and the supply chain was so affected and elective surgeries were put on hold, uh, that affected our, our transitional care business. And we were fortunately able to take a wing and turn into a COVID unit. So if any of our residents became COVID positive, we had an isolated wing that they could uh, transition to uh, for care and and not be among other uh, non-affected residents. And I I have to say, there's no way any of this could have happened without all of the champions on our staff. I mean, I am so lucky to have such incredible, competent, knowledgeable staff all through compassionate, compassionate, so compassionate at every level in every department. And when it came to designating a COVID wing, finding staff was challenging at first. It was early March. We so much fear, so much unknown. And the first few staff that came forward, raised their hands and said, I'm all in was uh, an incredible feeling. I mean, didn't you have people that actually stayed here? They did. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, we had a couple. Like staff? Just stayed overnight? Yeah, they would uh, have uh, stretches, long stretches of work, maybe 12 days. And so they'd uh, work a few few days in a row, sleep in one of the rooms. Oh, wow. And they'd work 12-hour shifts. And so they'd rotate. And uh, we'd have some staff who would go home, but maybe they'd enter through a different uh, entrance. They'd isolate from their family. They'd sleep on different floors. They wouldn't commingle while they were working during their stretches on the on the COVID unit. It was intense. Our staff went through so much uh, so during I, that time. I guess I'm just fascinated by, you know, because you're going to get so entrenched. And if you're a caregiver like you guys are, you're such a part of all these folks and their lives. And... There's got to be an outlet, though, right? And maybe, maybe it's not able to happen while you're actually here staying. But for you through the pandemic, what on a personal level, what were you able to do when it was time to get away and and maybe recharge? And just I'm not sure it? she got away. Well, you have to at some point. You have you to know, have something. Early on, I think I would agree with John. I, I think uh, so many of us didn't have an outlet. You know, we all dealt with restaurants not being open and the the fear of the unknown and and is it safe to see our extended families? You know, we all dealt with that and figured out what we needed to do personally for our own our own uh self uh 
preservation. To, yeah. <laughs> really, honestly, it's it's got to be. Well, I know it, how I can imagine how stressful all of this mm-hmm. was, and and how it probably took a toll on every one of you. But at some point, as human beings, we need something mm-hmm. just to kind of check Decompress. out. Yeah, just for yeah. even a day or two, right? I would say personally, for me, it took until summer. Wow. When uh, we could, you know, see friends and family outside and um, feel comfortable with being together and finally felt like the spring surge, if you will, um, slowed down for us here between staff and residents and constant regulation changes and process changes and every day and um, often Friday evenings posted guidance for immediate implementation. And that was tough because you wanted to do what you needed to do to protect the residents. And that didn't come with any sense of time. So I remember uh, a lot of really early mornings, a lot of late nights. And that's not me. This is everybody. This is the entire crew, the entire staff, uh, what it took to make everything come together. You have a remarkable group of people. There's no question about that. I remember Many years ago, before I came to work for Minnesota Masonic Charities, I was uh, working for a consulting group and uh, was doing a, a feasibility study for uh, Walker, one of the Walker facilities. And one of the questions that I would always ask is, you know, who is the standard bearer for this type of care? And they kept talking about Masonic, Masonic, Masonic. Not only does Masonic have this beautiful facility, but they talk specifically about the people. And how, you know, the people that work here work here because they love it. Um, my guess is many of them, passion, right? many of them mm-hmm. probably drive by several other places on their way to work. Um, but they've just, there's just such a commitment here. Going back to the folks that stayed here, PPE was something that we all became familiar with. Tell me about PPE management. Now, you might think that sounds boring, but it was everything <laughs> but boring from what I understand. Yeah. You know, we've got an excellent director in our central supply, our purchasing department. And early on February, you know, we were talking about what we kept hearing about going on overseas with this coronavirus. And we watched the masks and the gloves and everything get shipped, shipped, shipped. And our our quantities of availability were already starting to to go down. And so we early on uh, committed to making some purchases to uh, get us through for a little while for some of that. And so we're very fortunate that we had uh, PPE to get through because I know some, some folks struggled. Because especially in the COVID unit, every mm-hmm. time they would go from one room to another, they... Yeah, well, we tell us tell us about the process. Yeah, we did have to get a little creative there because um, you know, early on when you had people suspected for COVID, they would isolate on our COVID unit. And then when we started um having COVID positive people, the guidance changed and you didn't want them to uh commingle yet, um, right. not knowing if they're not positive for the virus. And so PPE was was tough. I mean, you had to go into the room. You should see some of the pictures of these staff. I mean, head to toe, nothing was was uh, exposed. Goggles, face masks, N95 masks, um, hair bonnets, foot covers, shoe covers, gowns. A couple of them even opted to use um, uh, zip up jumpers, like a spacesuit. Yeah. 
because it was all of what we could find uh, to um, get them covered and get them into uh, proper PPE that they needed. And uh, when summer hit, it got very warm for them. Oh, I, I can imagine. enjoy that. No. Yeah, I've often thought that those zip-up suits look like something that would be kind of comfortable. You know, you can kind of let yourself go. Mm-hmm. You know? Although they like are a one-size-fits-all. They're oh, one size. Oh, that might then be I'm bad. in trouble. Look like sausage casing. <laughs> that, wouldn't, that, that wouldn't be so good. Um, what are you most looking forward to as we enter the land of uh, normal again? Yeah, you know, I think normal is is. It's a moving target. Yeah, you know, it is a moving target, and we're starting to to see some uh, going back in the in that direction. Uh, but I think we're still a ways out from that. You know, we after one year of no visitation, we finally have been able to get the uh, approval to have families and visitors come back in again. And for a while, we had outdoor visitations. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to do that when it's twelve below zero. Absolutely, that was much fun. <laughs> well. No. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun in the summer last year when we could get um, outdoor visits. We have such a beautiful campus. And so being able to utilize some of these outdoor spaces was wonderful. And I just have to mention, um, one of the spaces I know that was utilized was the new patio. Mm-hmm. It's not that new anymore, but that patio was uh, was compliments of one of our old residents, Rod Forrestall, who, uh, who came to me once upon a time and he said, you know, we really could use a nice patio out there. And I said, that sounds like a great idea. What do you think it should be like? And he said, I don't know, but just tell me how much it'll cost. And he underwrote the whole cost of that uh, no that patio. Yeah. And let me tell you, not cheap. No, patios are expensive. You should see this one. And we'll go take a look at it later. Maybe we're going to do the next thing we're going to do. But so other things that you're looking forward to as far as the residents getting back into a a groove. Yeah, being able to sit more than one to two at a table for dining. You know, I mean, the residents. I didn't even think of that. I know they can come out of their rooms now for certain activities, but they still have to remain such at such a distance and they can't converse and they can't, you know, socialize. And so uh, not having to worry about how close they're sitting next to each other and making sure that their wheelchairs are perfectly placed over the dot on the floor. uh, That's going to that's going to be a good day when that goes away. Yeah, Just let them kind of get back to being yeah. able to have those connections. Yeah, I mean, we've all missed out on that, but at this level, when you're when you're somewhere in a home like that, it just gets multiplied yeah. for folks. And one thing that's been challenging for our staff is being able to connect to residents with all of their garb on. You know, you can't see them smile, and you can't, through these goggles, you know, everything's just not the same. No. And uh, it, it's a lot. You know, our, our staff are so compassionate and they're so caring. And so much of that is through the eyes and through their facial expressions. And uh, missing that is uh, huge, huge. So I'm, I'm really excited for that, too. Do you have any positive stories, stories that are ones that people ought to know about the last year? Yeah, the first one that comes to mind is uh, at one point on our COVID unit, it must have been May or June last year, we were getting through a, a bit of a surge for us. So we didn't have many new residents on our COVID unit. And so the the few that we still had on there were um, near recovering and restrictions in the rest of the house, the rest of the campus were so tremendous. So they couldn't do a whole lot of anything. And yet the COVID unit, when they were feeling well, they didn't have to 
follow oh, the I same. Not. Yeah. I right. Right. So they were the units playing bingo. They were out in our courtyard gardening. Our staff took them outside for walks, sit, bask in the sun. I mean, they had freedom. And it's it's cute looking back on some of those pictures and watching them interact and, and uh, have such a great time. Um, sad when the rest of the campus was unable to do that right. to that extent but um that's a, a a great a great story and uh we had one family member write a, a just a phenomenal um tribute to one of the nurses who worked on our covid unit and uh so one day we surprised her out on our veranda and we had uh all of our staff those who wanted to join down below on our uh employee cafeteria patio and then the veranda was just above it overlooks it and so all of our staff were six feet apart and we got to present uh, this nurse with her champion of care award um tell us about the champion of care program yeah so we have a program that a family staff residents whomever can nominate an exceptional employee or an employee that just did something exceptional just is exceptional someone worth nominating this award to and uh, so then Every nomination, this employee gets a, a little certificate and um, a, a pin that they can put on their name badge. And then uh, we so every so often do a champion of champions and uh, get to really uh, dazzle uh, an employee with an exceptional honor. And I know one of the, the reasons behind the Champion of Care program is our communications uh, director, Kelly Johns, she thought, if we create this Champions of Care program, what that's going to do is it's going to give me some ideas for storytelling purposes. And these nominations that have been created or that have been written by folks, whether it is a colleague or mm-hmm. whether it's a, a family member or a, a resident themselves, um, you really kind of get to pull back the curtain and see what's going on over there. And it's really, the stories are really quite incredible. Yeah, that's the the humbling part is, you know, we're not in every interaction that our staff have with our residents. And especially this last year, they've been their family. They've been their closest people in their lives. And uh, they've really taken that to heart, our staff. And uh, we just could not be luckier at the Masonic Home with the type of people that we have working here. It's just incredible. Um, We interviewed uh, a a woman whose dad, I think his name was Jim, Mm -hmm. uh, here at the at the home. And during her interview, she talked about the fact that, you know, the staff was here for him when she couldn't be. And mm. when she says it, I mean, there ain't a no, you good luck, good luck uh, holding back the it. tears on that one. Right. Yeah. yeah, the hard part, you know, on our COVID unit and really anywhere was the guidance early on was one visit, one person, one hour. And so pick when you want that visit. And that's a that's none of us can really experience unless we have experienced it can really relate to that. And uh, I am so grateful that that is past. Absolutely. Yeah. You're on the back nine. We're like we said, it, it might be a moving target, but we're yeah. you can see the progress yeah. now. We're, we're starting to get to warmer weather, thankfully. Mm-hmm. So outdoor again can be a big part yeah. of this. And these folks need as much diversion as possible to, yep. after all the isolation and everybody, not just the folks here, but all of us need some outlets here. Mm-hmm. We put our time in and I think people are now appreciating some of the freedoms that we're getting back to. You, you learn to appreciate yeah. when things are taken away, you learn to appreciate how special they are. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think for us, it's just the the concept of activities, you know, and and being able to have the programming beforehand and then having it all taken away really makes you reflect what now that we can have some opportunity here and open things back up and and design a new system, what's that going to look like? And so that we don't take advantage of the opportunity and the freedom that we had. If there's one thing that positive that we've taken out of this past year, you know, one way that we've switched the way that we operate that you see being something that we're going to do into the future, what might that be? Oh, that's a, that's a big question. You know, I, I think of, you know, just the use of technology mm-hmm. and yeah. I would imagine that many of the people that have had difficult time connecting mm-hmm. with relatives that are out state or yeah. friends you know, through technology, they've been able to uh, to connect with those people in a much more meaningful way than they ever were before. Just think of Zoom, yeah, right? I mean, I didn't absolutely. know what Zoom was. And yeah. We're using it in the workplace now, but for yeah. folks that now can connect and actually yeah. see their loved ones, they probably couldn't even operate or begin mm-hmm. to have even someone help them operate a laptop or a device mm-hmm. to get to that place with their relatives or loved ones. And to John's point, now that's probably a part of their daily lives, which is great. Absolutely. The resident side of technology, definitely. And even for, you know, operationally, internally, we've all been learning all the different mechanisms we can use to make meetings more effective, more efficient. Uh, when people can't come to a meeting, they can call in with a conference line. And uh, it's it's been uh, an incredible learning opportunity when it comes to technology. Yeah, when you think of the the way our, our children have uh, learned to uh, just kind of roll with the punches, yep. staff meetings probably feel a lot different than they used to. Absolutely, yes. Well, Beth, I cannot thank you enough for the effort that you and your team put in over the past years. You talk about uh, making the organization proud. Um, our board of directors, for example, could not be more proud of the work that you and your team have done. I can't say enough great things about your team. And you specifically, Beth, you've been working your tail off. <laughs> and when you ask the question about, you know, how did you decompress? I, you didn't I, know that she did. I would, every time I was at this play, this space, Beth was here. That's impressive. Honestly. Yeah. And I, I just can't reiterate enough that it's it's an entire team. You know, I think of course experiences would. like this. That's so bad. <laughs> but I mean, just going through this, it's incredible when you find, you know, who's in this and who steps up and the amount of people and, and that and stepped so up. So many stepped up. Everyone stepped up. Just just amazing. It's incredible. So well, thank you very much. Thanks. And uh hopefully we can have you on again and Absolutely. we can uh learn what it looks like on the other end of a pandemic. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Beth. Yep. Bye-bye.